Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the reward-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Back when I was like six or maybe seven, 30 years ago, I was an unknown predator as a child lived in a trailer park, so during the summer it was literally Lord of the Flies from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. One day, while me and a friend were snooping around people's yards, we found a rowboat behind a shed. The thing was rotted, falling apart, and just not fit for use. But my friend got all excited and said he knew where a lake was we could go sailing at. So we grabbed some skateboards and two-by-fours for oars and proceeded to stead the boat. It took four hours of dragging it and another two hours of moving it through swamp and forest, but we get to the lake my friend was talking about. To us it was a lake, but really just a pond. We're excited about a job well done and just throw everything into the boat and start rowing out with the two-by-fours. We get out to the middle of the pond and we started to realize we're taking on water. Lots of water and fast. We start to panic because we can't scoop out water faster. Then it's leaking in when suddenly we hear a hollow dumb and scratching sound. 
The boat was sitting on something, and we were no longer sinking, but still taking on water. We took off our shirts, socks, and stuffed them into spots we could see water, leaking in, and finally relax. We can get water out faster than it was coming in. It was then we had a chance to take in the surroundings. It was pretty awesome for a six-year-old, and we're talking about six-year-old stuff for a few minutes, and then I looked down into the water. It was really clear and seemed deep, and then I realized what I could see and what we were stuck on. In the pond, we could see hundreds of 50-gallon metal barrels. They were piled up so high in some places the boat had gotten stuck on one of them. It was like looking into an alien world with mountains of barrels everywhere. I think I'd just seen Return of the Living Dead, which starts with kids opening a 50-gallon barrel and releasing the undead, I think. So I was freaking out and tell my friend we need to get out fast. So we're panicking and getting water out of the boat. And then my friend screams and points down the road. And we both see something worse than undead zombies. The trailer park manager in his truck flying down a dirt road near the pond and coming right for us. Now it might not sound like much, but this was the guy who got you in serious trouble. Trailer park parents generally didn't care what the kids did, but when he shows up to your house to threaten your parents with being kicked out because of what your kid did, you knew you were in for a memorable beating. He pulled up near the pond and were trying to row away from him, but we were starting to sink again. He grabbed a rope and threw it out to us and pulled us in. We were terrified. We knew we were in for some serious screaming from him and beating from our parents. But he didn't scream, didn't threaten. He just stood there staring at us. He asked us what the hell we were doing out there, that we were trespassing, stealing, and what we were doing was wrong, but not screaming. He was calm, kind of scared, like we got him in trouble. We explained what we were doing there, but didn't bring up seeing the barrels. He questioned us forever. We were six, and then told us he wouldn't tell our parents, which was crazy because he told parents everything he saw, and would bring us home if we agreed to never go out there again, and to not tell our parents. Otherwise, he would tell them about all the crimes we committed. He dropped us off back in the park, and we never heard anything about it again. One thing that did change was he never was mean to the two of us again, but was a bastard to every other kid. He never told our parents about anything we did wrong and was never mean or threatening to myself or my friend again. My uncle saw a skinwalker, so as I said, this happened to my uncle. When he was about my age, I'd say early 20s, 
maybe 18 or 19. Must have been the 70s in that case. He was out in the Wyoming wilderness tending to a ranch house. Just him and his girlfriend. The owner was out and had him go up to take care of the animals until he came back. A few days in and everything was well. Animals well, Uncle well. He decides to retire for the night. Goes in the cabin with his girlfriend. Sun goes down. They pass out. Uncle wakes up to the pitch black in this horrific, hypnagogic scream. It was one of those things he later recalls that he hoped he had only dreamed. So he lays there for a bit. Things seem okay. Girlfriend doesn't stir. Tries to drift back off. But before he can, another one comes. This time undeniably real. Girlfriend wakes and the dog started barking. My uncle gets up and grabs the shotgun, heads for the door, but realizes the scream isn't alone this time. Another voice chimes in, then another, to eventually form what he would later describe as a little chorus of suffering. He starts to back away slowly from the door, and that's when the chanting started. Listening to him tell the story, you'd almost start laughing at this point, unless you were really looking on him because he was dead serious and full of all those little micro-expressions that happen as you really recall something. He could hear their footsteps creak up and down the small wooden porch of the cabin, the chanting from multiple voices, multiple footsteps. By this time, him and his girlfriend are in a shadow in the corner of the cabin, away from the windows and the light of the fireplace, shotgun leveled at the door. He says it felt like forever, animals screaming, them chanting, him shaking, girlfriend crying. In hindsight, it must have only been 30 minutes or so. Then it all stopped. Not all at once, though. One by one, the barking stopped. One by one, the scream stopped. Until the last one, with which the footsteps and chanting came to an end. My uncle sat huddled in the corner, though, for several hours. Eventually, the sky started to brighten with that morning blue against the silhouette of the pines. He waited a while longer until the sun crept over the mountain range before making his way to the window. He had an idea of what he'd see. He'd hunted big game and small game. But this was different. The porch was empty, but the cabin ground weren't. He peeked his shotgun out the front door, slowly opened it. There in the morning sun, a nice cool morning, he recalls. Birds chirping, air fresh, the ground was strewn with mutilated animals, blood everywhere. Everything dead and dissected, guts and organs strewn about. He puked right there on the porch when the smell hit him. Regaining his composure, he made his way around the animals. 
And I detail, he thought in retrospect, were the rubber bands tied around the testicles of some of them. He'd seen enough. Him and his girlfriend noped the F out. They made it to town, called the police and the owner. Not sure what came of it. He gets visibly shaken to this day just when it's mentioned. He says he thinks it was those skinwalkers, but he's a superstitious backwoods hick, more or less. I live in Portland, Oregon, but I work at Mount Rainier National Park as a backcountry ranger. I would like to remain anonymous, so please refrain from including my name. On the night of the 5th of September 2015, I was driving home from work after a busy day of trail maintenance on the Arrow Loop. I was about 15 miles east of Paradise at about 1.30 a.m., and I was doing about 50 miles per hour. I was driving on the Lewis River Road. It was a beautiful night, and I was enjoying the drive. I had my headlights on high beam and was watching my mirrors to avoid deer, as they frequent this area, and in the past I've nearly totaled my car in the winter when a large buck jumped out. As I rented the corner coming out of the forest, I noticed a large dark figure on the side of the road. Now immediately I'm on edge because in my mind I'm imagining this being a large buck about to jump out from my car and I could not afford the time to make another car payment. I immediately slam on my brakes because I wasn't sure what was going to happen, and I realized it was not a deer because this thing was standing beside a tree on the road shoulder. So I slowed down even more. I began to focus what little eyesight I had on this creature, and I could see that it was very, very large, probably about eight feet tall covered in shaggy long hair that looked very thick and matted. It was hard to tell in the lighting conditions and shadows any real details of the face, but I could tell that it turned to look at me directly and then stopped and stepped off the road into the field. It was obviously aware of my presence and did not seem surprised by me. They continued to walk away from the road into the field, lumbering on two legs. I'm telling you now, it was not a bear because it never walked like one. It reminded me of a person on two legs the entire time. The comfortability of bipedally walking. It walked for about a minute, maybe a minute and a half, before I could not see it anymore. I was in shock to say the least. I drove very slowly for a minute to see if maybe I could see it again, but I eventually lost sight of it. Even though I was in shock, I did not feel too scared. I did not feel threatened. I was just in total awe at what I just saw. It was so huge and very obviously not a bear or a person in a suit. Why would somebody be out here in the middle of nowhere?
It also walked very naturally on two legs. I went back to the spot the next day and measured a tree it was standing beside. That's how I know it was around eight and a half feet tall. I've been a park ranger for the better half of eight years now and have never seen anything like this before in my life. I have had other interesting experiences, though, in the backcountry, but they were mostly while working and related to the environment. People are always throwing around the term Bigfoot, but I have no idea what this was. I'm ignorant. Please excuse me and thank you for your time. If you can provide any information, that would be most helpful. Thank you again. May of 1985, we were dispatched to a rural area of Placer County, California, investigating some possible dog or livestock killings. The crime was that the owners found their dogs dead in the backyard, and one of their goats was taken from the pen and killed, pulled apart like a piece of chicken. What was strange about this is that any animal abducting goats or hens would generally eat on them, not take their prey and pull them apart and leave the body. When we got there, at first we saw nothing, but when we began to walk around by our cars, we could hear something, something breathing pretty heavily, like it was running and getting closer. So we walked around some more and could see what looked like a little person hiding behind two trees just about 50 yards out, looking at us. My partner actually recognized it at first, that it looked like a human face or maybe a child, but with glowing eyes crouching down and covered in hair. Then it crouched down all fours and ran away into another tree. I was already shooting at it with my 9mm. It did not move like a human, but like that of an animal. That is when it came out of the tree and was on top of me. The rest of the incident is kind of blurry. However, I do know that nobody could find the bullet casings or even see what I had been firing my weapon. I then took them to where the creature was standing when it ran across the road. They still could find nothing. The people who worked on the case were stunned by what happened. One man said he would later go back there again if need be. He also claimed that he had been feeling something evil in the area for a while now. Take that as far as you want. Later on down the road, we also found some dead cattle in another part of the county. We were told by the owner that he had been having problems with some cattle mutilations and thought that this something that I had shot at was also killing his livestock. I know it was not the same thing because the killings were different. Another man who we spoke to had said that this goat that was killed had its stomach completely ripped open, just like the others, left there to rot. My report and statement were only taken so far. With this creature having jumped on top of me, 
I'm surprised it did not kill me, but it did give me some pretty severe trauma that I have to live with. I can tell you that whatever this thing was, it was not a normal human or an animal. This was something else altogether, maybe an unknown species of some kind, something that science probably will deny. This happened quite a time ago, but remember the encounter very well. My mom sent me next door to my grandma's to get something for her, when the whole time felt like I was being watched, and looked over my shoulder several times. Now the distance between my house and my grandma's was long enough. Where once I reached my grandma's, my home was not visible. The sighting occurred on my way back home. I was about halfway when I saw the creature. It was making a lot of noise and came crashing out of the tree line, breaking a huge tree branch. Then it began to run toward me. I remember thinking this can't be happening. I felt like my legs would not move out of fear. It all was in a time span of five to ten seconds. I then ran the rest of the way home. And I tell you, I have never ran so fast. The next day, I took my mom to the site where the creature had come out of the trees and showed her the tree branch. Lots of people I know do not believe in Bigfoot, so I normally would shy away from telling my story. I do know for a fact that what I saw was indeed Bigfoot. Okay, so I'll try to make this relatively short, so I'm not one for believing too much of cryptid lore. Never had an encounter before or anything like that, but my partner and I live on the border of upstate New York, not far from the Whitehall Bigfoot area. One night, partner was taking out the garbage and came back inside, startled. I mean, really shook up. They said they'd seen a creature that looked like maybe a fox or coyote, but that it then stood up on its hind legs, and so they booked it back inside. Fast forward about a month, and I'm outside on my porch smoking a cigarette, enjoying the stars under a crystal clear Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Guy, we have a small plot next to our house that has a toe behind. Landscaping trailer permanently parked on it about 20-ish feet away from the house. After a while of standing outside, I get the sudden and intense feeling like something is watching me. Just that primal feeling of danger. It should be noted that, like most people up here, I'm usually carrying a gun on me. Coyotes and bears are fairly common up here. So I kind of do the four corners check of my surroundings. When I looked over to that trailer, I saw there was something the size of a large dog laying in the grass. Mind you, it's a clear night with a not-quite-full moon, and the grass was uncut long, but not like a meadow. If I had to estimate, I'd say seven, nine inches high, so I had a really good view of this thing. Now I know never to approach a random animal bedded down at night, so I just kind of watch it for a second. Even in the light of the moon, its outline and coat were pitch black, blacker than anything I've seen before, unnaturally contrasting against the ground it laid on. Then it looks up. It has piercing red eyes. I'm thinking, oh, what the F, and put my hand on my revolver. I ain't about to be coyote food. And then it stood up. It stood up on its hind legs. The only way I can describe the legs of it is like that goat-human hybrid from the Narnia movie, but with a torso like a hybrid of man and canine. It was taller than me, and I'm six foot one. It didn't even need to take a step. I flicked whatever was left of my cigarette and backed away to the door locked and bolted it and spent the rest of the night wondering what I just saw. Now I'll admit I'm a religious man, but that thing didn't fit the description of any gin I've heard of. It's to this day one of the few things in my life I cannot explain. We've installed security cameras since, but now the lot is under construction and we haven't seen it since. I don't know what I saw that night, truly, but I intend to find out one way or another. I want to go into the forest near the plot and look for signs. Does anyone have any advice on hunting this sort of cryptid? I'll update with any further happenings should they appear again. My brother and his friends were on the highway one night. It was Highway 73, south in Quebec, Canada, and basically 
My brother saw what looked like a tall, white, pale humanoid near the woods on the side of the road. He also said it was abnormally tall and walking on two legs. At first he didn't think much of it, thinking he was the only one who saw it and he believed he might have been seeing things due to his tiredness until one of his friends who was driving screamed. WTF was that. All four of them saw it. They all described the same thing. I believe it might have been a skinwalker. Thoughts? Me and like ten of my friends went to an abandoned mental hospital in Detroit. We just stood way back and threw rocks at it for a while, while one of us worked up the courage to actually go inside. We constantly are seeing things move in the windows of the building and small lights moving and turning on and off, but eventually half of us safe-headed and find the safest way in. We go through where the trucks used to unload into the building and walk down a long hallway. There's a stairwell nearby where we walked in and I heard voices in the stairwell and no one else heard it but me and my best friend, so we kept moving. We take a couple more turns, stopping occasionally because someone heard something when soon we come across the most dreaded place we could have found, the morgue cremation room. Tens of graffiti everywhere saying stupid teenagers scare tactic shit. Everyone shit themselves when we found that room, but we all chilled in it for a while until we inevitably started to leave. As we leave the morgue, it takes you into a hallway where the elevator shafts are and there is a room across from the door. We exit me and my friend are walking out first when suddenly a girl in a white nightgown steps out from the door across hall and I shit myself. Hoping to cut the silence and maybe get her to react, because I was thinking she was like a crazy homeless crack addict. I yelled, oh shit, and she just stood there. Soon after another guy comes out, then another guy, then another girl, whose looks made me think they were actually doing heroin. Collectively, we all just went what the F and started talking. They told us to put our weapons down cuz cops go in there all the time and you're not supposed to be on the property let alone with weapons. But we just had like scrap metal from the ground so we put our weapons down and talked to the other group for a second while I was talking to the nightgown girl and the ringleader I noticed the cracked out looking. One just walk away into the pitch blackness of the corridor behind her while we all had flashlights, which the kid told us to put those off too, but of that idea. We leave, and as we get on the road back to our cars, surprise, surprise, a cop pulls into the road and we all hid. 
At that point, it was just a couple of us, since some were farther ahead and had made it back to their cars. Well, the cop searched the area with his spotlight. That was a crazy or creepy night. Oh, and later that night, at like 5 a.m., a dude followed me in his truck. Cause me and my friends fell asleep in my car across the street from his driveway, so he just shined his brights into my car for like ten minutes while we tripped out to see if he was going to do anything. Plus, we were high and tired, thus very confused. Once I had stopped at a gas station and got out, they pulled up to the pump behind me and just stayed in their truck. I walked inside to pay for gas, came back out to talk to the truck guys, but they left as I was walking out. My master's degree work was looking at stoneflies in coastal Alabama, and it required a lot sampling out in the streams, the habitat for juvenile stoneflies around Mobile Bay. When I went sampling, I'd have to get into the stream and collect five packets of leaves that collected in a stream at random intervals in a 100-meter stretch of the stream. I sampled from June 2012 through July 2013 for two different projects, one that used the same four streams for an entire year, and another project that used about 20 different streams in the fall and spring season. When I went sampling, I parked an old Ford Econoline van with a big university sticker one hit by the side of the road near a bridge, then climb down and hop in the stream and go to work. With these streams being out in the woods and some of them being damn remote, creepy stuff happened every so often from metal scrappers asking for any good finds, a decrepit old baby doll in the woods walking up on a dog grave site under a bridge, a truck stopping on the bridge of a 30-meter-wide river. Terrible place to sample for my work, by the way, and watching me and my sampling partner from a distance and so many other things I could keep going on. But this is the time I truly felt I was going to die. At the beginning of my field work in the summer, it was easy to coordinate with lab mates to get a sampling partner to make the work easier and safer, but late in the fall 2012 semester, my main sampling partner had finished her thesis and didn't come to campus much. Can't blame her. So I started sampling by myself in later November or early December. It added some extra time onto my day, but it made scheduling easier and more consistent, and nothing dangerous had happened going solo, so I was good with the chain. It was the early spring of 2013, and I was traveling to the second stream of the day, hitting a stream I'd seen twice a month for the last seven or eight months. I knew it like the back of my hand and thought I'd seen everything it had to offer. I rolled up about ten. I'm munching on an apple, 
I had started when I left the previous stream and tossed the apple core into the clearing that I had parked the van in. This stream had a nice clearing off the side of the road, but was a thirty meter or so walk to the stream with a slight decline over eroded dirt and gravel, so I couldn't see the other side of the stream. I blissfully rolled up my trusty punctured chest waders and walked to the trunk, packed up my gear, grabbed my super sampler, a fine mesh net that attaches to a folding base, and metal meter stick. I casually strolled down to the stream, ready to take my usual piss under the bridge, as I do at every stream when across the stream I see a dog. I think it is a border collie, German shepherd mix, but I am not that great with dog breeds. I stop in my tracks, staring at it, waiting to see if its owner will show up from the woods, but mostly debating if I could still piss but the dog takes the first move. It makes a loud, solitary bark and then runs off into the woods downstream. It promptly returns, but it isn't alone. There is another identical dog with it. They don't make any noise. They just stand attentively on the other side of stream, staring at me. I can't make out any collars around their neck. But they had a lot of fur. There is about 20 meters separating us since neither of us are that close to the stream bank. The stream bank is relatively high from the water, about two, three meters where the standoff happened. And I was on the side with a small steep entrance, so I figured I could get my work done and the dogs would leave me alone. As I'm climbing down, they are mirroring my distance into the stream, but not getting closer to the edge of the stream. I check over my shoulder to still see them watching me from the clearing and still think I'm fine, so I start walking upstream. The dogs keep following me, but now they enter the forest. These dogs were not frolicking around the woods. They hunched down, hid behind trees and foliage to conceal themselves, and were dead silent. I couldn't hear them move over the sound of the stream. This is when I am proper spooked. As I kept going, and they kept following me, I started to move closer to the opposite bank as often as could, and was walking slower than usual in the shifting sands, and rushing water making sure that I didn't lose my footing. Every five meters or so I would stop to locate them, but there were several times that I lost where they were. I didn't need to see them to feel their eyes out in the woods. Over time they stopped staying parallel with me and began to stay slightly behind me. After what felt like an eternity, I made it to my fifth sampling spot, 95 meters into the stream. Guessed my luck that day. The longest sampling for the day had wild dogs. I felt a wave of relief since I could now turn around and make my way back to the van, but I had to stay in the stream since the stream banks were still too steep to climb out. The dogs had a different plan. 
all the way through the stream. They stayed together, but now they spilt up. One stayed about three to five meters ahead of me, while the other one was behind me about three to five meters. They hadn't made an advance and were still hiding in the woods, but having one in front and one behind filled me with dread. Walking in, it was easy to keep my back from being exposed and face them, even if I couldn't see them. But now things changed. I turned so I was parallel with the stream banks the dogs were on and began to make my way downstream. The dogs maintain this pattern for about 70 meters before things become decidedly more dangerous. About 20 meters from the clearing, there is a gradual slope that leads to the water on the dog's side of the stream. The dog ahead of me stretches its lead while the one behind me comes down the slope and enter the stream with me. I raise my meter stick towards the dog in the water and my super sampler net to the dog on the stream bank in front of me and begin to yell. Basically, I look like the science nerd version of the gladiator with the net and trident. I can see the clearing, but my eyes just keep darting from dog to dog and I am slowing, backing towards the clearing. The water near the stream dog deepens, and luckily for me, it doesn't want to swim for its meal. It runs up the slope and joins its comrade still ahead of me. From here until a gravelly steep slope on my side of the stream, the dogs stay ahead of me hiding in the brush, but never making a move. I scrambled up the slope and starting making my way to the van. The dogs come out of the woods and advance to the edge of the stream bank. I just kept facing them while backing my up to the van. Once I got back to the van, I hurriedly packed everything back up and left before I could eat my lunch at the stream site. I had to return to that stream about eight more times, but I never saw those dogs again. It was the longest two hours of my life. I was driving west on United State Highway 2 between the city of Ball Club and Bina, Minnesota. This occurred on March 3, 2019 at around 7.15 p.m. I was approaching a black vehicle and as I got closer, it increased its speed, keeping pace with me. I was within 100 yards of the vehicle. It went into the oncoming lane of traffic and accelerated, causing the rear of the vehicle to drop slightly. At that instant, a very large cloud of white smoke filled the highway. I slowed my vehicle and turned toward the shoulder on the north side of the highway. As I went through the cloud, I expected to see the vehicle stopped or black marks on the road. Once I was in the cloud, I could see out, but it was still thick. I watched the ditch on the south side of the highway as well, but saw no evidence of the vehicle leaving the roadway. I expected to smell burnt rubber from the tires skidding or spinning on the highway, but there was no smell. 
As I came out of the cloud, I could see for a couple of miles as the highway was straight. There were vehicles approaching from some distance to the front, but no one going in my direction. I looked in my rearview mirror, and there was another vehicle coming around the cloud on the north side also. I wanted to stop that vehicle to see what they saw and thought of the encounter, but I didn't feel comfortable with that knowing how to get them to stop. All I can tell you about the vehicle is that it was a mid-sized black sedan. Nothing special at all about it. I couldn't wrap my head around what I had just seen, and for nearly an hour the hair on my arms stood straight on end. It was a very strange experience. I didn't see it in the air or anything, so maybe not connected to a UFO. The only other explanation I can conclude would be spiritual, or a ghost, if you will. No matter what, I'm still very freaked out and bothered by what I witnessed.